that's what your body is, believe it or not. 99.999999% empty space. Empty. My name is Roberta Grimes. When I was eight years old, I had an experience of light that shaped my life. I was sleeping soundly and I woke up. I think it was early morning, but it was still dark. And I woke up and I knew with certainty that there was no God. And I was terrified. And then there was a bright light in the room. And a voice said, you wouldn't know what it is to have me if I didn't, if you didn't know what it is to be without me. I will never leave you again. So I thought, wow, that's great. If you forget there's a God, they remind you. And I went back to sleep. But I wanted to know where that voice came from. I wanted to know where that light came from. And so I spent the rest of my life trying to understand what had happened. And so that's why I studied, I spent 50 years actually studying the evidence over the afterlife. And uh, that's why, and then I, I basically, I figured it all out. I mean, we know a lot about what happens at and after death. And uh, when I actually had put it all together, I wrote a series of books, uh, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, which is about communication with the afterlife, and um, The Fun of Growing Forever, which is about how we can grow spiritually and make this our last earth lifetime, and um, books about Jesus, because you begin to learn a lot then about what happens uh, what after death, and you also learn a lot about spiritual matters, a lot about what Jesus came to tell us. And uh, that's why I'm here today, and we're having this conversation. It's been, it's, I mean, it changes everything when you come to understand that there is a whole lot more to reality than just what we can see. I mean, what we see is just material. It's just superficial. But I never asked a question. I mean, you don't. People who have these extraordinary experiences don't talk about them. I never, I never asked anybody a question. I assumed this was natural. Everybody must have these experiences, but they just, it just isn't true. People don't have these experiences, these extraordinary experiences. I, when I, when I was ready to go to college, I still didn't know what had happened to me. So I majored in religion in college. I figured when you get to college, they'll tell you what happens if you forget there's a God and they have to remind you. But I still didn't ask a question. I didn't get an answer. And so, um, uh, you know, you just you just go through life. We've had many communications from people who have died. Most of the best were received from the uh, sort of mid to late 19, um, 19th century to the, probably the first 30, 30 years of the 20th century. And they were received through deep transmediums which we don't really have today because it takes so much effort to develop that skill. But these were much better than the kinds of mediums we have today. I mean, people could withdraw from their bodies, literally, and turn their bodies over to their own guides, who then would bring in your loved one. And you, you, you could talk directly to your loved one through the, 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 the body in deep trance, who, who um, was able to literally allow that person to take over their, their, their body and talk to you directly. It was a much better means of communication with the dead. And so we have, so we have books and books in, uh, in used bookstores. And I was able to buy them, you know, 50 years ago and, and um, read them. And I probably... Come around, around uh, say the mid seventies, late seventies. I was reading these books, and what was great about them is that they were all, all these people, these hundreds of people that had communicated this way, had all been to the same place. It was all the same process, the same um, um, the, the details of where they had been, the same 
clothing the same, pastimes the same, details of their lives, everything was the same. Even there were two, two areas primarily where these people had died. The southern England and the eastern United States, and they'd all they were all clearly in the same kinds of place now. So, you know, there, there were no purple people. There were no you know weird things that had had happened. And at the end of two years of reading hundreds and hundreds of communications, I had to believe it was real because otherwise it was there were no copied. You know, no sort of um, uh, uh, the same story over and over again. Nothing like that. I had to believe it was real. And by the way, if if there were, were a flood of these communications that had been received from people who had died in Vietnam, they all would have been the same, but they would have had a Vietnam sort of feel to them because the the people, the 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 places people go after death have the same feel as the kinds of places where they live. It's all very area specific. That's what's fascinating. It's not it's not all the same place. I mean, for example, people who died in in America, their afterlife looks like America. It all has the Rocky Mountains in it, for example. People who had died in southern England all had a southern England kind of feel to them. To, to their afterlife. People who had died in China, they had pagodas in their afterlife. So so if someone, say, was, was American who had died in, in an accident in China, when, when they got to the afterlife, it would look like China. And they'd, be, they'd go, help, help. I didn't, I didn't mean to die in China. And immediately then their loved ones would rescue them and bring them to the American afterlife. So it, it's all so amazing and so love-filled. And the more I studied, the more profoundly I was convinced this is all real stuff. It's real. And I spent literally 50 years studying this. And I'm a skeptic, kiddo. I mean, I really am a skeptic. But after a while, you you know, you can be a skeptic as much as you want. But after a while, you have to, you know, hit me over the head enough and I'm going to stop being a skeptic. I'll start believing that, I, you know, I have to believe it at this point. I'm not stupid. I have to believe it. And so I started believing it. And that's why when I started writing books about it, people need to know this stuff because it's true. It's real. It's all real. The only thing that really exists, and this is something Max Planck, who uh, won the 1918 Nobel Prize as the father of quantum mechanics, he said, we can't get behind consciousness. But we, and this is something scientists really, most scientists don't get what consciousness is. They think it's something our brain produces, but it's not. Consciousness is really primary. And there's really nothing else but consciousness. It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of energy which is basic to reality. All of reality is based in consciousness. The highest level of consciousness vibrates very, very high. The lowest level of consciousness is, um, vi- vibrates at a very, very low and slow rate. It's, it's negative. It's, um, think of it as all the negative emotions like hatred and anger. And um, that's material matter is a, is a very low rate of vibration. Our minds are part of consciousness, and our minds are at a higher vibration, actually considerably higher than matter. But they're part of the general consciousness, which is all that exists. So, what happens when we die is that our minds. It, elevate the, our, their rather rapidly in consciousness. Our minds are distinct from one another, but they're still part of the general consciousness, which is all that exists. So when we die, when, when, we, when we leave our bodies, our minds increase rather rapidly in vibration. The process of dying is, is relatively simple. 
because our, our, there we are. We're we're sort of in our matter. We think matter is like solid, right? It's not. It's it's almost entirely. In fact, you, you can find if you Google it, you can find articles which will say your your body is ninety nine point, and then there are seven nines after that point, empty space. That's what your body is, believe it or not. 99.999999% empty space. Empty. Because it's it's made up of those atoms that are that make up your body. That's what they are. They're entirely empty space. There's nothing in them. They're just they're those they're little vortices of energy and that's all they are. So as your as the energy that is your spirit, your spiritual energy is getting ready to leave your body. You, this matter, which is really not solid at all, it, it it gathers from your the rest of your body. It gathers in your chest, gets ready to leave, and then it lifts out of your body, which is easy to do because it's all empty space anyway. And if if you're if you're a sensitive and you're watching this happen to someone who's dying, you can see it like a mist lifting out of that body. It's fascinating to see. In fact, they they they, they have um, I saw uh, uh, on the internet that someone caught a mouse, and and you could see it happen with the mouse. The mouse get caught by a mouse trap, and then that you saw this poof of smoke. Which was the mouse's spirit lifting out of the mouse, the mouse that was in the mouse trap. Anyway, it lifts out of the of the body very rapidly, and it rises very rapidly because it goes into it's a much higher vibration than the matter of the body. Then, as it rises, it forms in the air into a body. Now. It, the, there are you, you, there, who, who wrote a book about it? Um, Raymond Moody wrote a book about um, the shared death experiences, and he and he wrote a book about how people who had seen this happen because they were sensitives. They had watched people go who, people who were dying had this actually happen. Their their spirits lifted out of their bodies formed into a body in the air and their their deathbed visitors gathered around them you know they were looking very real because they are real still they're quite alive even though they're they're in a different form and hugging them everybody's happy and saying come away with us we'll take you home and so on all wonderful and then they all their their all their vibrations are rising very rapidly and as they continue to rise the the room around them where the person has died is getting looking very vague and vapory because again it's ninety nine point nine 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 percent empty space it looks vague and vapory but as they all rise in vibration in the same place they're seeing a solid looking space begin to appear around them. The fog clears right in the same place, mind you, is the afterlife. And it looks just, except it's beautiful, it looks very much like what they've left. Now, if we are in North America, it looks a lot like North America. It's a beautiful and welcoming garden in the distance are the Rocky Mountains. It, it's just it's just beautiful. Now, if we happen to be in Vietnam, it probably has orient, an oriental feel to it. Yeah. If we're in China, it would have a very oriental feel to it. If we're in London, it's going to have a more sort of London-y feel to it. But it looks beautiful. The matter is quite different. It, it, it's actually a more solid-seeming matter than is the matter of the earth. But it's all in the same 
place. We are in the afterlife. That's what it's like to die. Consciousness is your mind. Consciousness is everyone else's mind. But consciousness is also, you know, it's what we think of as God is the highest level of consciousness. It's the, it's the consciousness is its highest vibration is God. There is no distinction other than the, the rate of vibration between your mind and God's mind. There's no distinction there. We think of, of God as a different entity, but there isn't a distinction. It's God is just the highest vibration of, how can I put it? Your mind is also infinitely creative. It's just that you can't use your mind to create because you don't think you can. You, you, are, you are unable to do with your mind what you could do because you don't believe you can do it. Jesus told us this. Jesus said, if you have as much faith as a mustard seed, the tiniest seed there is, you can say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and the mountain will obey you. He's right. You don't have even that much faith as as the size of a mustard seed, the smallest seed there is. You don't even have that much faith. Jesus was right. Understand that your mind is very powerful. Understand that you are infinitely loved. Understand that there is nothing to fear. Nothing. Everything that you think there is to fear is just a boogeyman in your own mind that you created, that people told you existed when it didn't exist. You are perfectly loved. I have a, a, a podcast called Seek Reality. It's 10 years old now. And I, t- and I talk about it every week. I talk about all of this. We just have no conception of how much we are loved by God. We just have no idea. But if we did know, if we had any idea of how much God loves us, we would not be afraid of anything. It's impossible for us ever to be harmed. Nothing, it, it says in, in, in um, A Course in Miracles, nothing real can be threatened and, and nothing unreal exists. And in that lies the peace of God. It's true. My website is robertagrimes.com. Um, if you want to send me an email, it's info at robertagrimes.com. In, again, info at robertagrimes.com. I answer every email. Um, it can take me a week or two because I get so many emails. But just if you if you if you don't hear from me within two weeks, send me again another email because it just means that um, I sent you an email, but it bounced because I didn't get my get your right email address. That makes me so sad. So for sure, send me another one and make sure I have your right email address. That's all I ask. Here's another near death experience by Vinnie Todd Tallman died at age 45. My experience is eternal and and our existence is eternal and all of our our little fence building and logic building that we put around things here. Sorry for the audios doing it over there. Let me fast forward it. Say this one's not dead. And that medic, he looked around, he, he thought that maybe somebody was playing a joke. Uh, he kind of shrugged it off. emotionally in our family for quite some time now. And, and I, so I just said, I don't know, I don't know how that got there. And 
I went into surgery not knowing these doctors and fearful and and uh, I, I remember seeing them around these mass strangers all around me and, and being so afraid afraid and pretty soon they, they put the mask over my face and I knew I should go under that I wouldn't I shouldn't be able to know what was going on and uh, I did it got kind of dark for me but I could hear them talking and pretty soon it just went completely dark and I couldn't breathe. And I was trying to lift my arms up to pull the mask off my face, but I couldn't do that. And and I was it was like you're going underwater and you're desperately trying to get air, but you can't. And I, I thought to myself, you know, I couldn't hear or see any doctors. I couldn't scream, I couldn't do anything, but I just, everything in me trying to breathe and I couldn't. And then I felt myself in this darkness going through this this birthing kind of thing into a, a, a tunnel-like structure. And I saw my sons, my two other sons and my husband down below me under a lamp and it was raining, it was a, a street light and it was raining and they were crying and because I had died and I wanted, no, I'm fine, I'm okay, I didn't die. I don't know what's happening to me, but I didn't die, I'm okay. And then I, I went on and I saw off to the left of me, excuse me, I knew right then that they would be just fine, that I, I could leave them. And I felt peace about that. And I moved on then and off to the left, I saw four human figures dressed in street clothes. They weren't angels or weren't relatives that I knew of anyway. It could have been distant relatives, I don't know. But they had very concerned looks on their faces, like something terrible was about to happen to me. And, and I couldn't talk to them or, or anything, but you know, these, these thought processes were, were happening, thinking and all, but I, I couldn't speak, no words were said, but they just looked very concerned for me. And I moved past them. And at that point I heard this horrendous roaring noise, like a freight train that was going right over the top of me, this really, really loud, loud noise. And this pulling through the middle of me, like a, a big rope was being pulled through me like a million miles an hour, burning and ripping and tearing. And then it stopped and the thought came to me, there is no God. And all of a sudden when that stopped, I knew with everything in me that God did exist. I mean, I had not believed in God going into this, but when this noise came and this, and this pulling through me and then it stopped and I knew with everything in me, like God did exist. I mean, there's no doubt, no, I, he does, he, I, he exists. And I, just like if I have my hand out in front of me, there's no way you're gonna be able to convince me that isn't my hand, you know, and that's how I knew that I knew that I knew God existed. And the excitement in me, because all my life I had searched for this and here it was, and I knew, I knew, I didn't see God, I didn't hear God. I just knew that God existed. And then the same roaring noise came and the same burning through me. And the thought came, there is no heaven. And it stopped and I, I knew, and I saw this brilliance that I was moving towards, this, this horrendous brilliance. And this, I again, would love to be able to tell you the, what was the emotions or the feelings that I had. It was just the most incredible thing I had ever experienced. Love didn't even come close to what I felt. It was way beyond that, way beyond knowing, way beyond anything that I had absolutely ever felt in my life. And so as I was as I was going towards this brilliant light, the noise came again and the pulling through my chest and the thought there is no hell. And all of a sudden it stopped and I started falling, just like you're sitting right there and the floor opens up and you start falling into this total, total darkness. And I was screaming and falling and feeling pain and, and knowing that nobody can save me from, nobody knows where I am, let alone could save me. Nobody can throw a rope to me and pull me out of this. Nobody can, not even, I don't even need, the thought came to me that not even God enters into this place. I believed in God with all my heart now. I knew that, that he existed. I knew nothing about God, but, I knew that he existed and, and I thought, you know, well, he doesn't even come into this place. And I knew that I had sent myself there, that I had blasphemed God. I didn't want anything to do with God. After my son died, 
I remember people coming to the house and saying, you know, he's with Jesus now. And I would scream at them, you know, I'll tell you about your Jesus. He kills little children. And I, that's how I, the anger and the bitterness that I had inside of me. So, you know, to know that Mathis Design Studio is where your home decorating dreams come to life. Put our talented staff of complimentary interior designers to work for a look that's perfect for you. We make it easy. SoFi is helping me get my money right to achieve my ambitions. Want to see? And like saving for the ultimate tailgate setup. Since then, I've had many, many confirmations, thousands of confirmations that my experience um, is real and that, that, that our Since then, I've had many, many confirmations. Welcome to today's Bible study podcast of Bible College Curriculum for September the 10th. Let's go ahead and open this session with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for coming on today's readings. I hope you, uh, you're getting plenty, plenty of food for thought. That's what they're intended for. 
to get into the Word of God and to ponder all day long what we read as the Holy Spirit moves it around in our consciousness and produces good results. In Jesus' name. Here we go. September the 10th. Faith to Faith. His Still Small Voice by Gloria Copeland. His Still Small Voice. In 1 John 2.27 it reads, But the anointing which you have received of God abided in you, and you need not that any man teaches you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth. 1 John 2.27 Have you ever noticed that you are sometimes aware of certain things even before you know what the Word says about them? That's because the Holy Spirit is inside you teaching you the truth. He is speaking in your spirit. Then your spirit relays His promptings to your mind. Suddenly you have a new thought. I need to forgive that person, you'll think. Or I need to stop saying those unkind things. As you become more aware of the Spirit of God in your everyday affairs, you'll be quick to hear and obey these promptings. You'll actually get in the habit of allowing the Spirit of truth to reveal the will of God to you. And believe me, that's one habit God wants you to have, His will. One of the first things that the Spirit said to me when I began listening to His promptings was to spend more time in prayer. As I obeyed, I began to be impressed to spend at least one hour a day in prayer. After I began to do that, he revealed it to me in his word, Matthew 26:40. Since then, I have talked with people from all over the world who are hearing the same thing. Believers everywhere are hearing the Spirit of God direct them to more prayer. God hasn't given the Holy Spirit to just a few special Christians. He's giving him to all of us. And if we'll just learn to be sensitive to his voice, he'll guide us into all truth. Think about how different you will, your life would be if you knew the truth of God about every situation. Doesn't that just make you want to listen to your spirit? Doesn't it make you want to be on the keen edge of what God is saying? Start turning your ear to his still, small voice within you. Honor him and welcome his guidance into your everyday affairs. Listen for his promptings and be quick to obey. He's ready to speak to you. Amen. And now for our Bible passage from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. Jesus, the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, You may ask any request you like, and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. 
Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. And now for our next reading for September 11th. Don't be disturbed. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. Psalm 33.10 Again, the Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to nothing. He makes their devices of the people of no effect. Psalm 33.10 And in other words, the Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. 11. His intentions can never be shaken. Amen. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. That was verse 12. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. Amen. Now, you may be facing trouble today that's being caused by people who have willfully plotted to harm you, to do harm. They may be trying to steal your business, your home, your children, or even to destroy your marriage. If so, I have a word of encouragement for you. According to Psalm 33:10, God will bring the plans of those people to naught. He will make their devices of none effect. The counsel of the heathen is brought to naught, but the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Remember this, when you make God your stronghold in the times of trouble, no one can overcome you, no matter how powerful they are in the natural the odds are in your favor because you trust in the Lord. They may think they got an edge over you, but God is on your side, and that gives you the advantage. Rest assured, you are eventually going to triumph over this trouble. In the meantime, if you'll set your affections on the Lord, the thoughts of his heart will continue to be coming into your heart. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Psalms 37, 30-31. God's counsel will give you stability when all the world around you is shaking. Evil tidings will not be able to steal your peace. The thoughts of God will immediately rise up and rebuke the devil. Tidings from taking root in your heart. Don't let temporary successes of the troublemaker disturb you. Instead, mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. Verse 37. In Psalm 33, 1:10 says, Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the seas its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. Amen. And with that, let's go ahead and go to our next reading for... September the 12th. Change the Image by Kenny Copeland. In Romans 8, 24 and 25, it says, For we are saved by hope. For we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope. 
before it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. Romans 8, 24 and 25. According to Romans, hope is actually looking at something you can't see. How do you do that? You do it by looking at the promises of God in the Word until your inner eyes, the eyes of your spirit, a picture is formed. For example, one of the hardest things I ever had to do was face the fact that the inner image I had of myself physically was fat. Yes, fat. It didn't matter how hard I tried to change, it wouldn't go away. I was always on a diet. I must have lost and regained hundreds of pounds over the years. I finally had to admit that as long as my inner image of myself was fat, my outer self was going to match it. Remember, it's faith that changes things, and without the inner image of hope, faith cannot work. So I decided to fast for seven days. I searched my Bible for every scripture I could find on food and eating, and I found many. I meditated on every one of those scriptures and prayed in the Spirit for seven full days. What was I doing? I was laying whole on a different inner image. This is not something you can do overnight. It takes time, especially if the inner image you're changing has been there for years. But you can do it. Go to the Word of God today and begin to change the image inside you. Change them from the images of despair to images of hope. Get a blueprint in your heart and your faith will build on it. Scripture to read is Romans chapter 4, 16 to 21. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scripture mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God has said to him, That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. Amen. And now let's move on to our next reading for September the 13th. Isaiah 59:16 says, And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Again, Isaiah 59:16. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his mighty power and justice. When someone hurts you or hurts us, our natural human reaction is to strike back, to ask God to clobber them, but that's not God's way. I realized that one time when some relatives of mine got robbed, I was praying about the situation and puzzling over it. Lord, I began to ask, why did you let that happen? Why didn't you just knock that thief over the head when he tried to do that? Suddenly, God enabled me to back up from the situation and look at it with spiritual instead of just purely natural eyes. When I did that, I knew the answer to my question almost as quickly as I had asked it. It was because of his mercy. God has great mercy, not just for me and my family, but for others too. Think about that. Next time someone does you wrong, instead of asking God to knock that person in the head like I did, consider the fact that as honorary as he may be, he may well have a grandmother somewhere who's praying for him to be saved. Stop and remember that God loves him enough to die for him, that he's longing to pardon, 
not punish him. Then you can begin to pray for him instead of against him, uniting yourself with his grandmother or anyone else who happens to be praying for him. You can go to the Lord for mercy for him, and you can go up against the devil on his behalf. That's real intercession, and it throws the forces of darkness into total confusion. They have absolutely no defense against it. The Lord is looking for people who are bold enough, committed enough to do that. Dare to be one of them. When you're tempted to clobber someone, dare to change his life instead. And now, reading from Luke 6, 27 to 36. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to others sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Isn't it interesting on this Bible, I'm reading from the New Living Testament, it doesn't say your reward will be great in heaven. You know, I said, I don't need it in heaven. I need my reward now. If I'm going to pay that big of a price for someone that's uh, cursing me and talking bad about me and, you know, and making me, I want my reward now. There's another passage in the Bible that says, Give me a token for good that I may show you off to the world. Many, many passages in Psalms uh, 19, uh, 32, I believe. This talks about, oh, that you would bless me now. Something in that nature, you know, so the world will see your love on me. Amen. Doesn't that sound like a just God? And this Bible, the point I'm making, it has it properly. It says, then your reward from heaven will be very great. <laughs> now that's encouraging, right? In the old King James, it says, the guys, they couldn't believe that we're going to be blessed as much as uh, God says to be blessed. But it's been my experience. I've been blessed, folks. I've been blessed. Continue to do the things the enemy does not want you to do, you know. When I used to make pancakes at the park, I still do, by the way, uh, I had a lot of resistance, you know, and uh, I kept moving. I kept forward. Now I don't even think about it. It's I, I say, I'm done making pancakes. And inside me, the Jesus in me just gets up early in the morning, starts making pancakes for the crowds on Friday morning and for our meeting. Anyway, I love you. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on here. We got one more reading for us. And hang on for the 14, please. Okay, September 14. Take Correction by Gloria Copeland. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instructions to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 9, 8, and 9. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Amen. There is one thing you can do 
that will accelerate your spiritual growth more than almost any other thing. Learn to take correction from the Spirit of God and from His people. So few believers seem to be able to do that. When their preacher gets in the pulpit and preaches about something they already know, about some aspect of their life they're already submitted to the Lord, they think he's great. They like him because he makes them feel good. But the moment he stands up and begins to preach about something they're doing wrong, they take offense. God says that's foolish. He says in Proverbs 1-7, Only fools strike out at or despise correction. So don't be like that. When your pastor or anyone else in the body of Christ has a word of correction for you, receive it gratefully. Appreciate those who share the wisdom of God with you. When someone points out somewhere that you missed it, instead of reacting against them, examine yourself and say, Is that right? Does that agree with the word? Do I need to make a change there? If the answer to those questions is yes, then make the changes you need to make to get you your life in line. I know that's not easy. None of us like to be corrected. But if you make up your mind, you're going to receive that correction anyway, that you're going to remain teachable. You'll be able to go on and on and grow in spiritual things much more quickly. One man said, if you think you already arrived, you aren't going anywhere. Remember the next time someone corrects you, love that person and thank him for speeding along your spiritual progress. If you do that, you'll come out ahead every time. And now for reading more scripture, Proverbs 3, 11 to 24. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies, nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand, and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down the lifeful path. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. By wisdom the Lord founded the earth. By understanding he created the heavens. By his knowledge the deep fountains of the earth burst forth and the dew settled beneath the night sky. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for coming on today's uh, readings and teachings and, and lectures in the Word of God by Faith to Faith, Gloria and Kenny Copeland. We are grateful for theirs. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord smile and carry you in His arms and fix you. Fix you that it'll never be a problem again, that you'll walk soundly, sleep soundly, and have riches and honor following you all over the place. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen and amen.